Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. We want to look at in the first and second service. Believer, what you don't say and what you should say. Hallelujah. Last week we saw the irrefutable facts of the new creation in Christ. What God cannot change, you can have what you say. So we're continuing in the same breath by looking at what believers shouldn't say. In other words, instructions, exhortations, and doctrine around what you say. In Matthew's Gospel 28, um, Jesus gave what we call today the Great Commission, or Great Commandment, some love to say, in 18. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All authority, or power, accordingly in the King James, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. They say, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Then he says in 20, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of age. Now, I want us to take note of a few words in there, and that's the word, making disciples. In verse 19. Now, the word making disciples is from an old Greek word, mathetio, M-A-T-H-E-T-E-U-O. And it deals with uh, how you train people to become uh, an artist, or you train them to become good speakers, good actors. So it's a, it's a word for training. Right? And um, in, in, in the process of that, you'd make a lot of changes on the student. A lot of changes will go on. And, and, and that phrase, uh, making disciples, you find it in uh, Acts 14.21, where Paul, they, they taught many. So it's by teaching. They taught many. And also Matthew's Gospel 13.57 and 27.57, I think also. Uh, I'm not sure about the last one, but 13.57, uh, where you find, and he became a disciple. In other words, he enlisted in the school. Now, I want you to listen carefully to this. One of the things that discipleship affects is the use of words. In fact, it's a primary way you will know whether you are being discipled or you are being taught. So when it says making disciples, it means to teach them. Teach them. Train them. The Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs, in Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. I knew that verse before I knew many verses in the Bible. I knew that one and uh, in Yoruba, the Yoruba translation is better. Train up your child so that you have peace. My mom would quote that before every slap. Very anointed slaps. And then you have uh, madness is in the heart of a child. The rod of correction would drive it out. So yeah, train up a child in the way you go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. But the Hebrew actually says, train up a child by the way of the mouth. So two things are in there. Firstly, it's talking about teaching. That is, you train up a child in the way he should go, 
will be by teaching. Alright? And then it also deals with the way the child speaks. So the Hebrew says, in the way of the mouth. So, true discipleship affects the way you speak. The way you speak. One of the fruits, for example, of spiritual growth is how you talk. Look at 1 Corinthians 13 and 11. Paul says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. I understood as a child. He uses the word nepios there. Nepios means undeveloped or someone that is not grow, has not grown up. So he says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood like a child. I thought like a child. Then he says, now I'm a man. I put away childish things. Okay, so one of the childish things is how you are. Talk. How you talk. You cannot grow and your words have not changed. So how you talk. How you talk proves how you have grown. You get that? It proves how you grow because you now have a better understanding of yourself. When I got born again, one of my favorite songs, <laughs> the favorite songs, one of my favorite songs was Creating me a new heart, O Lord, and renew our spirit within me. Sometimes the reason why you like songs is a tune. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me, from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I renew a spirit within me. That's Psalm 51. So it's in the Bible. Cast me not away. But years down the line, I remember I was a, a youth pastor in a particular church. Um about 1994, and we had this end of the year service. And the senior pastor asked all of us to kneel down on the 31st of December into the 1st of January. And that was a song he asked us to sing into the new year. I didn't sing it. Why? Over the years, I had grown. I knew that that's not how believers should speak today. So you are growing. It's not arrogance. It's growth. I thought that's another song guys like, Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever new. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. You are the water. I am the clay. Mold me and break me. This is what I pray. I like to sing it in the afternoon. By Terry Clark. Worship with Terry Clark. Sing my heart, oh God. After, you, after that song is where you now have He who began the good work. So you can see how they are combining as one. <laughs> you get it? But when you grow, 
you, you change how you talk. I put away childish things. So, growth, and this is the truth about what we call confession. We'll see that in a, in a short while. So, in training, you train, you teach people how to talk. How to talk. And we're going to see this maybe in the second service. You know, you can change what you sing, but not what you say. You can change what you sing. You can sing all the, let's bless it. I'm the Father's house. I'm his dwelling place. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. This other one I, I, I just didn't want to learn, but I eventually learned it by default. Um, uh, reckless love of God. You sing all that one, but you receive a phone call. Ah, I am finished. That is the real conviction. <laughs> that one that you said without phone call, that is the conviction. What is that one? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There are no power over me. As though it's in church, you need to say it. It's not in church, you need to say it. In church, you're already hearing the word. There's no problem in church. Because you'll be hearing the gospel. But when you step out there, hallelujah, <laughs> that's when you need to say it. Not in a song. Glory to God. I forgot to share this last week. I, I finished it here before I remember. I thought I was, uh, I went to preach. In, uh, I was going back to Jebode one night. I went to preach at um, Jebode through to Kurudu then. I, I went to preach in Ibadan in a friend's uh, ministry at Cream, Koko Research Institute at Idia Nure. I'm just giving you the exegesis of Idia Nure is after, um, when, you, when you leave Orita Challenge, then you go to, uh, what's this place again? Alright, so, <laughs> so I finished preaching. So I had to go back to Chalene, go to Chalene to take a cab, and then I just, then, I, you know, it was, it was a sports scarcity period, so there were not many uh, cars available. And so, as I got into one car, I just heard an inward witness, leave this car. I left the car, because I rushed into the car, actually. You know, as you're a Lagos boy in Ibadan, you have to show your skills. Remember my first trip to South Africa? So, a cab came. I thought it was Lagos. I just entered. Bah, 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 bah. Guy said, sorry, one person. Ah, I said, I didn't know. <laughs> I'm a Lagos boy, you know. <laughs> so, I got into the car. And I sensed in my spirit, leave the car. And I left. Got into another bus. Unknown to me, that car was a car parked there by ritual killers. Unknown to my mind, but known to my spirit. So as I got into the car, I just felt a relief, you know. Then I had a sense to sing the song, 
I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Death has no power over me. So I sang it. Death has no power over me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Death has no power over me. As soon as we got close to Mamu village, that same car had already been, they had actually, maybe had dealt with those who were occupants of the car. So they, it was very late at night. Now, I used to travel very late at night. I would leave Lagos for a lorry at 1 a.m. Now, don't do that today. If you want to do that today, I'll quote what Jesus said to the devil. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. So, obviously, they now parked the same car in the middle of the road. Hoping to stop cars and do more havoc. But I just said, death has no power over me. God has already accepted me. I'm easy's very own. God has already. And the driver, he just swept. He said, what's that? That's the car. Jesus, oh Jesus. They thought, well, I'm brothers. You get the point? He said, no. Did you see somebody had been so, so, and so? But I was very calm. You know, when you are afraid, you are not in a panic. I was very calm. That even if they had stopped the car, I would still be calm. Because I had sang, death has no power over me. Hallelujah. I forgot to say this last week. So, it's not about singing it in the service. We'll see that shortly as well. Maybe the second service as well. You see, in training, as a believer, you are trained to say. Glory to God. You are trained to say. You see, there are jokes that you shouldn't make. Don't make a joke that mocks the word of God. Don't make a joke. Not, not wrong in um, being humorous and just saying funny things, you know. But <laughs> don't make a joke. If you make a joke that mocks God's word, you dishonor God. Don't make a joke that mocks God's word. Don't make a joke with speaking in tongues and mocking speaking in tongues. You can say speaking in tongues to correct people, alright, but don't make a joke on speaking in tongues. Because what you are, what you dishonor cannot bless you. Don't make a joke with the word. Alright, so he says, making disciples of every nation, then he says in verse 20, teaching them where you have the word didasco, instructing them by explanation to observe. To observe what? The word observe is the Greek word terio, which means to look at it as though it wants to get missing. It's a watchful observation. Teaching them to observe what things soever I have commanded you, Lo, I am with you always till the end of the age. Teaching them to observe, to keep watch. So, spiritual growth involves being watchful. Got to watch. And one of the things you watch is you watch what you say. Now, I'm not talking about positive confession here. Anyone can do positive confession. I'm not talking about co- at all. But 
though the confession of the word of God is positive in nature, all right, but it's not a positive confession. So, that's not what I'm talking about. So, pay very good attention. So, it says, teaching them to observe all things that are commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, and that's very critical, till the end of the age, which is, I am with you, in other words, I'm in you, according to John 14, verse 16 to 20, I am in you always, forever and ever. Okay? So, that means, I'm already getting into the second service teaching, but let me just talk about it. That means one of the things I must say consistently is that Christ is in me. I must say it consistently. It must be it must be my vocabulary. It must be the way I talk. It must be, it must oil my speech. Greater is he that is in me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, the Spirit of God does not inspire fresh revelation. Revelation is closed. But the Spirit of God brings significance. An application to our daily lives. As I'm speaking right now, now let me, let me give you a practical example. What, because I wanted to teach this morning on Revelation knowledge. But I'm going to teach it next week, Sunday, second service. I just sense to share, to share this again today for emphasis. Now, as I speak, I'm going to notice when you hear God's word, even though we're looking at uh, the context, pretext, somehow in your heart, you begin to see Pictures of areas of correction in your life. What's in that? Let me see your hand. Okay. Then you see, sometimes you also see yourself now acting on it. Let me see your hand if you've seen that. That's what the Spirit of God does when we teach. The significance and the application. That's what He does. So, we are taught. To observe, observe what? Observe the indwelling Christ. Also in my words. The indwelling Christ. So my words must first of all, we'll see that later, honor God and not please man. My words should first of all honor God. What has God got to say? I put it on my lips. So, watch this. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 8, turn there quickly. John is writing, now John the Beloved is the one writing here, so this is his own interpretation. He says, no man had seen God, John 1, 18, turn in there. No man had seen God at any time. Why did he say that? Because... From verse 1, turn to John's Gospel. From verse 1, he says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he says, the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Then he says, in him was life. The life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness couldn't comprehend it. There was a man sent from God in verse 6, he says, his name was John. Now he said, the same came to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. Said he was not the light, but he came 
to bear witness of the same light. Say the same light that lights every man that heads into the world. And he goes into the fact that he came to the world. The world was made by him. The world didn't know him. He came to his own. His own received him not. Then he says, as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. And to them that believe on his name, which were born not of the will of man, of blood, of flesh. He says, but of God. He says, the word became flesh. So he's talking about God. And dwelt amongst us. So he's saying Christ, the word, became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Then it says in 16 and 17, which is key, because 15 talks about John. Then 16 and 17, he now says, of his fullness of all we receive, grace for grace. The law was given by Moses. I want to teach you about the law of Moses this year. <laughs> Sometimes this year. The law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now the word came there and became flesh is the same word. Grace and truth or grace which is the truth came, that's the incarnation, by Jesus Christ. That is the grace of God, God's free gift, which is the truth about God, now became flesh. That's what 17 means. For no man had seen God at any time. That is, up till this point, nobody had seen God. But the only begotten of the Father, the only begotten. Now, he showed you already in verse 1 till 14 that that's God that he became flesh. So by saying no man had seen God at any time up till that point, but from his incarnation, all men saw him. So he's saying, the only begotten, which is the word monogenoha, that is, is born singularly of God, not number, is born singularly of the uniqueness of birth, then he says, which is in the bosom of the Father. The bosom there is the word corpus. Corpus is used for the breast pocket. That is, someone so dear to a person's heart, or someone found on his heart, or someone that is... So that word corpus has to do with two things. Number one, Jesus and the Father are interchangeably seen. And very vitally, that Jesus is the deep heart counsel of God in the Old Testament. That is, this is God's cancel and revelation in the Old Testament. So, in Luke 16, where Paul talks about the bosom of Abraham, where he said, sorry, I said Paul, I said that. I bind Paul from my mouth, it won't happen in Jesus' name. So, in Luke 16, where it says, Abraham's bosom, Jesus gave a parable, and he spoke about uh, Lazarus. What he meant is, Lazarus was seen with Abraham. They were seen together. So when you say, which is in the bosom of the Father, that means you see the Son and the Father together. He had declared Him. Now by saying He had declared Him, it's the word exegomai. Exegomai. Exegomai, now these are scriptures we've explained over and over again. Exegomai means to relate an experience that you were part of. An experience that you were part of. Not that. Now, for example, if you had the privilege to watch uh, the Arsenal Man U game today, where Arsenal won by four goals to nothing. Oh, well, well, that is. Pay attention to the word. 
You don't start doubting me here, right? If you doubt me here, you doubt me throughout. Same thing. Alright? And, and you're describing the game, you say, so and so shot at so and so. Oh, he took the shot. He blocked the shot. He held the ball. That's third party. But if you're part of the game, you say, I took the sport kick. Even though you are telling us what's going on in the game, you're part of it. So by saying, he had declared him, that means Jesus is not speaking for another. He's speaking in. He is a participant of the Godhead. We'll call the Godhead. I don't like using that phrase. He's a participant in deity. He's a participant. So, by saying to us, he has declared him, he means it's a personal narrative. And you will notice something that in the words of Jesus, in the four Gospels, and in the Old Testament, you will see very similar things. You don't have to do much study to know that the voice of the Old Testament of Jehovah was the words were the words of Jesus in the four Gospels. Now, go to Genesis. We saw it last week. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 1. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, this is very intelligent discussion by um, Moses. Now, I told you, in studying the Old Testament, a bit of that we'll see from tomorrow, uh, you need to be very careful in how you apply the words. Now, if someone says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, then he says the earth was without form and void. Now, form, no form and void, is the Hebrew word to hobo, which means nothing. There was nothing formed. There was nothing tangible. So, it's a figure of speech to say, there's nothing. Now, how do you say you saw nothing? That means, it is figurative. Now, how do you say, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters? How? You just said nothing. So, the waters, therefore, again, is figurative. Now, again, by saying, Spirit of God, how can you see Spirit? Because he, he, he said the Spirit of God, which is the word um, um, ruach in the Hebrew. Ruach in the Hebrew is a wind, breath. Breath. You can't see it. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. So, he is therefore making a submission you need to pay attention to. And he says in verse 3, and God said, that's the only thing you can hold on to. Words. So that means words are the tangible expression of spiritual realities. That is very important in the subjects of Bible study. So how did Moses know that the Spirit of God, God said? So words express Spiritual realities. What it means is this. God's first activity in the earth is by his speaking, by his words. 
by his words. And why is it the Spirit of God? Because those words were spoken without seeing a form. So the words, therefore, give him the form. God said. And that statement was repeated many times. In verse, verse 9, God said. In verse 11, God said. In verse 14, God said. In verse 20, God said. In verse 24, God said. In verse 26, when he was going to make man, he says, God said. And finally, um, yeah, he said, God said. And, and that, that went on and on and on and on in how Moses describes God. He first describes God as someone who spoke. So, if Jesus is God incarnate, we must see him as a speaking being. It will give expression to divine realities or spiritual realities by words. So, watch this. If you will mirror God, if you will mirror God in your conduct, if you mirror God in your Christian walk, the first point of mirroring God is in how you talk. God spoke. Remember, do you know that what scared the Pharisees about Jesus was not how he dressed. Come on now. <laughs> it wasn't this air court. It wasn't the kind of suit he wore. That was nothing to anybody. It wasn't uh, his favorite food. Do I think I know his favorite food? Want to know it? Write it down. You want to write it down? <laughs> no. What? They had a problem with was how he spoke. They said no one talked like him. In fact, when he was done teaching in the Matthew seven twenty eight, they said ah, he taught as one who had authority, not like the scribes. They were astonished at the way he talked. He had authority in the way he spoke. In other words, he was never suggestive. He was definitive. Jesus doesn't suggest. So you might, you may, it's likely you should. <laughs> he spoke just like that, Jesus account. And God said, absolute speaking. Because God's word is not a suggestion. It's not an option among other options. So, he said, no one spoke like him. You know, I tell people. Jesus was never crucified because of his miracles. He was crucified because of his teaching. He was very absolute. How can someone say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? No one spoke like that. I am the good shepherd. Huh? They had called Jehovah the Lord. He, they said, and then he says, I am the good shepherd. Immediately the mind went to Psalm 23. He is the rock he Huh? He was absolute in the way he spoke. Don't forget again. They couldn't get him to speak evil. They looked for witnesses. They went round and round and round and round. They called people to come and lie. 
They say, come and say, he said this. This one will not fly. They say, ah, they said that one. They said this one. They said, someone said, he said he would destroy the temple. He said he would destroy the temple. He never said so. He said he would destroy the temple. Has he destroyed it? He said he said he would destroy the temple. He said, ah, what do we say? Then the one that he claims he is the son of God. You know they couldn't say he abused someone's father. They couldn't say he cursed somebody. No, he never did. That's why Peter would say there was no guile. First Peter 2, 21 and 22. There was no guile found in his mouth. There was no anger in his words. So Jesus, being our Lord, he was a master of his words. A master of his words. He never spoke in reaction. He's a co-post of the Father. He, he, he mirrors God. He was a master in the way he spoke. Hallelujah. So, when he called them brood of vipers, they knew he was not lying. <laughs> you understand that? They knew he was not lying. When he says, you have hidden the keys of knowledge, they knew he was not lying. There was no lying found in his mouth. There was no Hebrew speaking found in his words. So, in discipleship and training, we're taught how to speak. Let's go over something very quickly. Look at the Old Testament. How do we know God's will in the Old Testament? If we follow people's experiences, we'll get it wrong. In fact, if we follow visions, we'll get it wrong. How do we know God's will? In Luke's Gospel 24, Jesus meets his own disciples. And they were arguing about what had happened. Will the Christ be raised or not? Will, sorry, will Jesus be raised or not? Is he the Christ? We had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. Then he said to them in verse 25, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have what? Spoken. All they have spoken. All they have spoken. Do you know the interesting thing? None of the writers or none of these audience, including himself, heard them say anything. They read what they wrote. But what they wrote was first of all what they said. So, before it became the written word, it was first of all what? The spoken word. So, the spoken word became the written word so that the written word can be your speaking word. So he called them fools. He called them fools, why? Because what they said did not agree with what the prophet said. So foolishness is when your words contradict God's words. That's foolishness. And they said exactly opposite. What they said. Hebrews 1.1 God, who has sundry times in diverse manner spoken time to our fathers by the prophets. Words. 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 The prophets gave words. Amos 3, 6 and 7, or 7 precisely. God will do nothing except he reveals it to his servants, the prophets. Now, that means that the prophets gave God's counsel by speaking. So, in discipleship and training, 
It's not about what you say in the service. No. It's about what you say every day. What do you say every day? Your words must be mastered. You must master the way you speak. James tells us in James chapter 3 that when you bridle your tongue, you bridle your entire body. In other words, when you put your words under control and you know what you say per time. One of the things I, I learned um, and I'm, I'm, I'm growing up now, I'm growing you know, into other areas of my life. I learned to know what I'm preaching about. In fact, many times people ask me, say, how, how did you remember? I said, I remember what I said. Because I, I, before I get on the pulpit, I know what I won't say. I know what I won't say. And even when I'm led to say things, I check my heart. If I'm not prepared to say it before. And sometimes when I get to the point, I will say, no, I'll talk about that later. You know, you must master what you say. Fellow told me, you said so, so, and so, I said, I couldn't have said it. I said, sir, I listened, I said, go and hear it all over again. <laughs> well, a series I taught some years back. So he came back and said, sir, how did you know exactly what you didn't say? I said, I know what I didn't say. I couldn't have said it. How did I say, because I didn't believe what you have said. I couldn't have said what I don't believe. So, you know, and I'm, I'm growing because I want to put that in every area of my life. I'm growing. Where is God? Because we're all grown. So, a believer must master the way he talks. If God's words matter to him, then your words, he wanted us to believe what he said. So, if we mirror God, our words should matter. There are things we don't say. Not because we are not moved to say it. Not because others are not saying it. No. There are things we just don't say. Because we are sons of God. Say I'm a son of God. Say I mirror the father's character. Say like me. Say I mirror the father's character. Glory to God. Glory to God. So if I've got the spirit of God. I must have the words of God. Yes it's one three. Two and three. If I've got the Spirit of God, then I must have the words, the words, the words, the words, the words, the utterances of God. There's some of us, the only time we speak the right things is when we are prophesying. <laughs> That's when we are prophesying. But when the Spirit leaks, ha! Allah, Allah, Allah. You are back in your realm. Say, well, I'm just being realistic. I'm just saying it as it is. <laughs> saying it as it is. Glory to God. How do you know that's how it is? Because you read somewhere. I told someone, if you want to see things, huh? That will tell you Jesus didn't even exist. It's on the internet. 
So I say, hey, is it there? What's the link? Who wants the link? Give me the link. Jesus exists. Wow. Wow. Why should somebody say this? Fool. It's already on your heart. What you are reading is somewhere. And one day when you have problems, you'll say, ah, but then. I hope this is not eventually true. <laughs> because you've exposed your heart to wrong things. Praise the Lord. <laughs> are you there? <laughs> so I don't mean objective. No, it's essay. It's not just objective. There are things we don't say. Matthew 5. You have heard it has been said, verse 43, Thou shalt love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemy. Glory to God. Glory to God. Many Nigerian Christians need to hear about love. I must say this. It must be taught. It must be taught. When I read some things some believers say, and I read them on the internet, I saw a pastor who commented on someone's wall. I know him. So I inboxed him two nights ago. Yesterday, sorry. Two nights ago, yeah, two nights ago. I said, sir, out of respect, I want to give you a pro-epagelia. Or epagelizo. So what's that? What I want to do, I want to tell you. So what is it, sir? I want to block you. Just, I'm out of courtesy. Say why? I said, you wrote so-so and so. Say, but I was just, you know, expressing, I said, hold on, I'm not arguing with you. I'm not even trying to understand what you are trying to say. My mind is made up in the word of God that you spoke evil. And with people like you, it's better to have a Muslim who doesn't know the gospel. Express evil so that we can teach him the gospel that he is saved. Than a believer that deliberately says what God would not say. And then speaks evil of others, and goes to wish another person bad. He said, but sir, this is so, this is so. I said, have you seen today? The way you have that kind of question, people go quiet. So I've not seen conscious. So I've not asked about consciousness. I didn't ask you about your consciousness. I asked about you. Have you seen today? Say yes. Well, Lord of Jesus. Say, hold on. Has God wished you evil? He said, no. <laughs> I said, I almost said, your, your father the devil. But because I know you personally. If I didn't know you personally, I won't think you were born again. Even if you spoke in tongues. Right? Speaking in tongues is not salvation. People act tongues in drama. How could you? A child of God. Wish people evil. I saw someone one day crying in prayer. Lord! Send thunder to their own Lord! Do you know, if those people have thunder, really, 
if they can use the thunder personally, hey! They will take it personally and say, take it here. Take it here. <laughs> they love your enemies. I said to someone, I said, if the love walk is stopped in many congregations in Nigeria, most of their prayers will be stopped. Selfish prayers. Lord, go to the heart of my MD now. Turn it around. Even though you go to work late. Turn it around, Lord. Lord, every fellow, you say that every fellow will die. If it's the man's company, you say, if, he, if he's going to hinder my progress, Lord, you will remove him from the way. If his company, he's white. Fear God. Fear God. There was a guy at one for one meeting like that. And the guy said, we're going to pray in this prayer that all the monies with Adenuga and Dangote, they belong to the church. It's our own money. I just started laughing. This is a, that was in 2007. That man of God Don't let me say too much. <laughs> you know, how can you? How many years a graduate? You've not even worked. Even if you are what are you working? You know what was someone's money to come to you. You think that's what God does? Aladdin. Love your enemies. That's what is in God's word. Love what? Your enemies. Then it says, bless them who curse you. Now when someone curses you, and say, it will not be well with you. You are your generation. You are your family. May you not see good days. And he says, ah, yeah, I, I command you. You know, the first thing in your mind, you want to, you want to walk in the world. You all say, it will not happen to me. You turn to sender. <laughs> so I say, I didn't cause him. I only said, whatever is in your heart concerning me, may it happen to you. <laughs> you are caused with a style. <laughs> Jesus said, bless them. That cost you. That means you have an action. You must speak like God. You must speak like God. That you may be like your heavenly father. That's the point. Your heavenly father. Who causes his son? Or makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. See, I'm like my heavenly father. We are never told to act like our earthly father. Do you know that Paul gave instructions about parents and their children? He never said, Father, teach your children to do what you do. He never said so. He says, in the admonition of the Lord. Inasmuch as 
You should be a... So when you are... Listen to me. As a father, when you are being a good example to your children, it's not because you are a father. It's because you are a believer. Believers should be good examples. That's the reason. We are not taught in God's word to resemble our earthly fathers. Because we are born of God. We are to mirror the heavenly father. Don't say, that's how we talk in our family. That's how we talk in my family. Glory to God. Remember, there are some things you pick up in your DNA. As a child, when I want to read, I'm talking about from when I was three or four years old, I would take the pen, some of you are laughing, and the cover of the pen, and I would start reading to concentrate. That's how I still study my Bible. If you want to see me studying real hard, look at my mouth. And my mom, she did all she could do to stop it. There was a day she said, I will cut your tongue. I looked at her and I felt, ah. And there was, also, there was one um, uh, Indian movie I watched, Dramendra or something, where one guy's uh, tongue was cut. Johnny, man. Johnny, So I said, hey. Yeah, when you cut my tongue, I'll sing. <laughs> you know, kid all that. And also, one of my kids, the same thing. The mom said, ah, ah, just like your father. So what do you mean? <laughs> you know, you know, there's no sin in that. Get it? But, I must choose to mirror God the Father. In the way I talk. It's not because I'm their father. It's because I'm a Christian. And you must say the right things. You must if I say, Ha! 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 Christian. Ha! Ha! You are holding yourself not to say this thing. Ha! Ha! Hey! If not for the word. <laughs> if not for the word. Ah! The word. You are locking all the world. <laughs> say what you want to say and shut up. <laughs> no, don't say it. I'm just joking. <laughs> words are important. Words are important. There are things we don't say. We don't curse. In our family, we don't curse. Hallelujah. We don't curse others. We don't curse people. We don't wish them evil. Because God doesn't wish any evil. So, where did you get those words from? You didn't get it from God. You got it from the world. People are going to hurt you. They're going to offend you. They're going to do very horrible things. Very, very horrible things to you. Very horrible things. Remember somebody came to me one time and said, Sir, I know I offended you. That's why this happened. And that happened to me. Uh, then the person that died gave me revelation of things I didn't even know he did. Uh, this one, I was the one. That one. She said, I want you to pray for me. I smiled. Satan is tricking you. He said, how, sir? I said, me. Nobody can hurt me. And then he will receive evil in return. Nobody. He said, when you hurt me, you strengthen me. Nobody can. Satan is tricking you. 
to think that I did something. So something evil happened to you. I said, it can't happen. I said, even if you go back with this new insight and do it again, no evil will befall you. The only thing that will happen is that you will become an expert in evil. That's all. So I'm not going to pray for you. Because there's no reason for it. If I pray for you, I'll pray the Pauline prayers for you. No, you know, that was a... But you say, yes! <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> you have come, have you? you have come. No. No. We're not like that. Say nobody. Say don't ever... If Satan is doing anything in your life, I didn't send Satan. You allowed Satan. I'm not saying you shouldn't change your ways. Change your ways. Don't change your ways because you don't want evil to happen to you. Change your ways because you must not do evil. That's all. So, as believers, there are things we don't say. We don't say. We don't cross people. We don't speak to people out of revenge. No, it's not, it's not in this family. God speaks light and light. In Matthew chapter 12, The importance of words. Watch this. In verse 35. A good man out of a good treasure of the heart. Say, I'm a good man. Come on, say, I'm a good man. You know, Philemon 6 says that you acknowledge every good thing which you do in Christ. Say, I'm a good man. It brings forth what? Good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. How do you bring it forth? Can we take verse 36 together? But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. 37. For by thy words thou shalt be justified. And by thy words. So how do you express the good things in your heart? By speaking. Words are important. Words. The things you say. Because you're a good person. Don't speak evil things. When a believer speaks evil, it's not from his nature. Because your nature is a nature of goodness. We don't speak evil things. In Matthew 15. Matthew 15. Watch this. Verse 18. Those things we proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile the mouth. Verse 19. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man. But to eat with unwashing hands defiles not a man. In other words, he's saying, your words your, proceed from your mouth. Your thoughts. So the first thing you've got to do is to put the word on your heart. If the word is not on your heart, it can be in your words. When you see the way you speak, check the way you hear. Check what you have been listening to. If you suddenly found yourself getting angry, bitter, cursing out, you are listening to certain things. 
Or you are saying things around you. That's why I said that man of God, as he's supposed to be, I blocked him because I wanted to guard my heart from evil words. Don't stay around people who say evil things. It's evil communication. Years ago, late 95, I was in a bus. I was going from Okoko to Oshodi. Just finished a meeting in there with some folks. So I was coming, and the Spirit of God asked me to listen to the boss. It was a very, all these coaster bosses. And people had a discussion. So listen to how they talk. And I listened. Do you know, the average person had bitterness, anger, negativity. So that's the state of their heart. Oh, but they were arguing on things, but they were t- cursing out on somebody. Somebody was cursing at another person. Somebody was saying something bad about someone. They were just, hey, hey, hey. What? I told you last week, if you can record the things you say, and just then play it at night, you'll be more quiet during the day. There are things we don't say. Because we are born of God. There are things we don't say. Because we are born of God. So the first reason why we say the right things is to honor God. We speak God's word because we honor God. If, look at the parable of the sower. Jesus gave a parable of a sower. And the parable was about word. The sower sowed the word. Mark 4, verse 11. Matthew 13, verse 11, Luke 8, 10. The sower sowed the word. The word of the kingdom. So, God's work in our hearts starts with words. What did you hear? If you don't hear God's word, you can't speak God's word. You can't speak God's word. If you surround yourself with Christians who are negative, abusive, who are bitter, after a while, that will be your vocabulary. Because if you don't want something in you, don't keep it around you. I've told believers before, I'm not your friend because of the way you talk. Ah, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you in facts and figures because of the way you talk. You're negative. You're too bitter. You're vengeful. I'm a child of God. I'm born of God. I mirror God. Hallelujah. So you fill your thoughts first with the word. Words are important. Very important. Words that we hear. Words that others will hear. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10. And verse 5. 
Go not in the way of the Gentiles. He calls the twelve disciples who are apostles. And he says, in the city of Samaritan, enter ye not. Verse 6, go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, what is it? Preach, singing. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, he gives them what to say. If my opinion is not allowed in the gospel, that shows us what I say matters a lot. He told them what to say. Say. In other words, God trains us in the way we use words. Say this. If you say something else, there won't be salvation. If you say something else, God's will won't come to pass in the heart of men. Being sincere is good. But saying the truth is better. The truth is God's word. Say the truth is God's word. Say about any issue. Come on, raise your voice. About any issue or circumstance, the truth is God's word. Say again, the truth is God's word. Say again, the truth is God's word. Say again, the truth is God's word. So it's what God says that is the truth. Now, it doesn't mean others will contradict what God says. No, others should contradict what God says. An unbeliever will contradict what God says. Right? Satan, just like Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, will contradict what God says. But the truth that I hold is what God says. Hallelujah. The truth is what God says. So, he says, when you go preaching, say, in fact, in Luke's Gospel 11, the popular Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, Luke's Gospel 11, verse 2, when you pray, say. Imagine that. He gives you guidelines on what to say in prayer. I thought prayer just say in my mind. No. He says, say this. Men can't be saved with my opinion. And prayer that is my opinion doesn't honor God. So if men can't be saved with my opinion, I must use God's word to save men in preaching. That shows you what I say is very important. Very important. There are things I can't say. A fellow once said, said, if you want God to change your life, you want him to change your status, you want him to move from the back side to the front side, I said, as, as lovely as what you are saying is, because it's a good desire you desire well for the people. I mean, if you're in Nigeria and they say backside, you know where backside is. When they say frontside, you know where frontside is. So it's not a spiritual term. Backside has areas. Frontside has areas. From the desert to the palace. You know you don't live in the desert, so it's a figure of speech. 
of what you do and what you have. I said it's a good desire. There's nothing wrong in having a good desire for people, but they will hear you and they will not be saved. Even though you are sincere in your heart as it is, <laughs> but you have to say the right thing. You have to say what God said to have what God wants. There's nothing wrong in wanting someone to leave the backside for the front side to change the car. There are people when you see their car, you say, your change should come. There's nothing wrong in having people, you know, change their jobs. Nothing wrong in that. But, See, if you want what God wants to happen in their lives, you have to say what God said. So, words are important. Say with me, words are important. If I hear the wrong words about Jesus, will I be saved? No, even if they are sincere. Remember, a, a, a great man who said this a few days, a few weeks ago, well, months actually. He, he said, you charismatic, he's talking to me and other people, he said, you charismatic, you're wonderful people. He said, if an atheist wants to hear about God, we need you folks to walk miracles, signs and wonders, diverse miracles. He said, wow, wow. He said, but you know what? After you're done with the miracles, we're not sure what you're going to say next. You just say something that will make that atheist never know Jesus again for the rest of his life. He said, if you can take your miracles, that's how he said it, coupled with the truth of the word of God, say the gospel truthfully, many more will be born again. What a lesson. So, no matter how sincere you are, Oh, miracles were worked in that service. Oh, so miracles were worked. Oh my God, see signs and wonders. And, he said, and then there was an altar call. Altar call. Most of the time, we assume those people who came for the altar call, as we call it, are born again because of the miracles that we saw. No! Listen to the sermon! Miracles are not a message. No, they are not. If the sermon was in God's word, they only got excited at the miracles. And it's not salvation. So, the words have to be God's word. So, we must say the right thing. In the preaching of the gospel. We must say the right thing to people. What you say about others, what you say to others, There are times you need to apologize. Sometimes they don't even know. Sometimes the person you're apologizing to might even say, No, sir, I was the one that offended you. Say, No, 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 no. I did the wrong thing. Even though you offended me, I shouldn't have gotten offended. I should have said what I said. There are people who won't even know that what you said was wrong. In fact, they don't think they deserve what you said. But you know what you said was in God's word. So there are things we don't say. 
there are things we don't say. We learn to use our words the right way. You learn something? Look at Mark 11. Verse 22. Saw it last week. Mark 11, 22. Have faith in God or have the faith of God. Verse 23. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Verse 22. 23. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall what? Have whatever he says. How many times does he mention say? Whosoever whosoever I say unto you one, he had to say it to them. Then he says, whosoever shall say, shall not doubt, but shall believe that those things which he says, he will have whatever he says. He didn't say you have whatever God says. He will have whatever he says. So, I asked a question last week. Brother Hagin asked the same thing. If you knew that all your words will come to pass, would you still be speaking the way you speak? Think about that. Look at Matthew 17. Verse 20. I'm reading the B part. Or because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, verse 20, Matthew 17, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, it says, you shall say. There is no faith without words. You shall say. That's what he said. You shall Say. So, we therefore must learn to say what God says. So, what don't we say? Let's go over a few ones. Number one, we don't speak wrath and evil. We don't speak wrath and evil. It's not from our spirit, it's not from the spirit of God. We don't speak wrath and evil. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 25. Wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Maybe I should add that quickly now. We don't speak wrong or falsely about others. You don't say someone did what he didn't do. That's contrary to God's word. Then he says... Be angry and sin not. We've translated that well. That is, don't be angry and sin. Okay? Let not the wrath go upon, down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Can we take verse 29 together? Let's go. Verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, to the use of edifying, that is... Now, now he's not talking about using F words. Now, Using F words is also obscene in scripture. Some guys use F words. But all my life, the only time I've ever mentioned that F word was the day I was trying to tell someone what I was correcting. 
So he said, what do you mean? I said, okay, this is it. I've never, because it's an obscenity. A Christian shouldn't be found using such words. Even though it's convenient, even though it's a, it's a fad or in vogue, uh-uh. the world doesn't control. Say, the world doesn't control me. Say, God's word, God's spirit controls me. So say, now, corrupt communication means that which destroys others. Proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. So, it means you say the right things to people. Say, my mouth does not communicate corruption. I communicate edification. Look at verse 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. In other words, when you say corrupt things like that, you annoy, you make uncomfortable the Spirit of God. Because those words don't proceed from the Spirit of God. Then he says here, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Come to the two together. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgive one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven. Chapter 5, verse 1 together, let's go. Be ye therefore followers of God. Walk in love. Hallelujah. See, I walk in love. So we don't speak evil, we don't speak anger, we don't speak maliciously. We don't do that. We don't do that. What else? We do not speak in condemnation to others. Because God's word already says, who is he that condemneth? Romans chapter 8, verse 33 and 34. Who is he that condemneth? In John 8, they brought a woman to Jesus who had just been caught in adultery. And the woman came up. With them, they said, Moses asked us to stone. And she said, he has no sin, he has no sin, let him cast a first stone. And everybody walked away from the graces to the least of them. They said, woman, where are your accusers? They said, they've all gone. No one condemns you, no one. They said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. John eight eleven. Those are the words of Jesus. Those are the words of Jesus. In other words, Jesus wasn't going to pass a sentence of death or destruction on her. It didn't mean he encouraged the conducts. No. We don't ask people be destroyed because they sinned. That's the word condemnation. Not that we don't condemn the act, but we do not put people to destruction with our words. We don't say that. So we don't speak condemnation to others. What else? We don't speak fear. We don't speak fear. Our words, just like God's word, must be faith-filled words. Your words must never communicate fear. Fear is not of God. Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 7, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. So, if I communicate fear, then I definitely am not speaking God's word. Fear is a torment. 
Fear is not of God. I must not speak fear. I mustn't speak fear. I mustn't speak expectation of evil. No. That's not God's word. In Matthew's Gospel chapter 14, Jesus, after speaking to uh, Peter, Matthew's Gospel chapter 14, Peter was meant to come, according to the words of Jesus in verse 19, then Peter cried out and said, Lord, save me. Then he said to him, Oh, of little faith, in verse 31, why did you doubt? Look at three things happening there. The first thing he said, uh, Matthew says in verse 30, was he was afraid. Then he says in verse 31, of little faith, or legal pistols, or he was of no faith. Then he says, why did you doubt? See, fear, doubt, is lack of faith. Fear thrives where doubt is. One of the confessions of a believer who said that in second service is, I am not afraid. Say, I'm not afraid. Oh, say it like a minute. I'm not afraid. So, your words must never communicate fear. Now, there's a thin line in being cautious and being fearful. Oh, don't go across the street. Ensure all the when you ensure that the kids don't cross the road. All right. Caution. Do you want the car to kill the child? Fear. Wow. That business has gone down. It's not. It, the business went bad. The fact. I'm finished. That's something else. I got pain on my side. Oh, ah, the thing is too much. I can't bear it again. See? You are crossed from stating the facts to fear. Stating the facts is not fear. When you know it's fear, is when you make a conclusion on the facts without the word of God. So, hear this one. We don't speak fear because fear is not in God's word. You must caution how you talk. You don't even know about what happens or what will happen after. The truth is, Fearful speaking dishonors God. Refuse to speak fair. We don't speak fair. In Mark 4, same thing, Jesus was with his disciples. And he says to them, when the master cares not that we perish, verse 38, you know there is a master, the wind is boisterous. If they said, Master, this wind is much, that's not fair. Oh, Master, water has come into the ship, that's not fair. That's what happened. Master, care not that we perish. Perish? That's fair. I got this thorough headache. Been there for one week. 
That's the fact. I don't even know where it's coming from. You think this is almost killing me. In fact, I don't. Huh? That's fair. Because someone said, no, don't say you have headache. A guy was telling me about healing service. If they say they have no headache, how do you lay hands on them? You say, those of you don't have headache, come out, let me lay hands on you. No, you have a headache. Alright? Praise God. Or I love to say, you know, my head hurts. Because if I say you have a headache, it means it's yours. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you don't have to say that. Don't be mechanical. So, there's, there's water in the sheep, Master. Fact. Master, careful that we perish. Now, I, I always look at that statement. Did, did they include Jesus too? Because that we happens to let me, everybody, Master, even if they are going to die, die alone. <laughs> See, I don't speak fair. I speak my expectation. God's word is my expectation. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We don't speak fair. What else? We don't speak anxiety. Anxiety. Some people think that by getting anxious, good things will happen. That when you are, when you raise, when you, when you get uncomfortable, uncomfortable, then something will not happen. No, nothing will happen but your uncomfortability. <laughs> Hallelujah. Matthew six thirty one. Take no thought, saying. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Where shall we be clothed? You know, it is a take no thought saying I'm hungry. You say, I don't say I'm hungry. Ah, you're hungry. Oh. <laughs> it is a take no thought saying I don't have clothes. You don't have. But what shall we eat? What shall we drink? That's a rhetoric. I don't have clothes, but God supplies my needs. I don't have food now, but God supplies my needs. Hallelujah. Get that? God supplies all my needs. And when you say it, don't say it for people to hear so they can give you clothes. That's manipulation, confession. I have this need of one million now, but I know that my God, you are a pastor. You are preaching. You are convincing people to come out and give. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong in asking people. You know? But don't say you are making a confession. You are actually making a request. Hallelujah. <laughs> say my needs are met. And my bills are paid. Hallelujah. You get that? <laughs> so you don't speak your anxiety. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. That's about persecution. But with prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You Dealing with anxiety is something believers ought to do a lot. Anxiety. 
the Greek of anxiety, the word anxiety, it means that you are careful. You are torn apart by many things. One of the proof of anxiety is that your mind isn't settled. You have a lot of things. You're just here and there. You're, you're unstable in your thoughts. We don't speak anxiety. We speak what God will do. Hallelujah. Are you still there? Let's say one more. A few more. We also don't boast about wealth. Believers don't brag on things. We don't brag on ourselves. We don't brag on what we have. We don't brag on ourselves. I cannot be poor. That's a brag. That's a brag. That's not the word of God. God supplies all my needs. That's the word of God. God meets all my needs. That's the word of God. Look at Luke 12. I was listening to someone share about this yesterday and or a blessing. And I just thought I should talk about it today as well. Look at verse 16. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself. Uh huh. Verse 17, Luke 12. He thought within himself. Can you see? Saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room. Where to bestow my fruit. Verse 18. This will I do. I pull down my bands and bring greater and I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. Look at 19. Let's go. I will say to my soul, So thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take them, ease, eat, drink. Watch something there that I never observed. Till early this morning. I never observed it. That, and I'm going to talk about this later. Notice the words he used. He used words of leisure. Be at ease. Leisure. In other words, some things we call leisure, or leisure, some we like to call leisure, they actually are foolish. My spare time. Let me just have fun. Enjoy myself. No. In, in the midst of leisure, glorify God. Glorify God. It's not an open door. Not to glorify God. Look at what he says here. He says, I will say. In other words, he's making a boast. A boast. A boast of what he can do. When you find your words, brag on yourself, not on Christ. You are not speaking God's word. God's word doesn't brag on the flesh. God's word doesn't brag on your abilities. God's word brags on God's abilities. I'm using the word brag deliberately. We don't brag on earthly things. No, we don't. James chapter 4. James gives us a warning on that. James chapter 4. Verse 13. Go to, you say, you that say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such a city and continue for a year and buy and sell and yet gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on tomorrow. Verse 14, James 4. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and it vanishes away. 
you ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Verse 16. Now you rejoice in your boastings and sought rejoice in his word, evil. We don't boast on what we possess. We boast on God's power, God's grace, God's glory. Also, we don't speak, I'll talk about this later on, we don't speak our fears, I just, no, we don't speak our fears. I'll go by that again. Go to Mark 5. Mark 5. Mark chapter 5. Verse 36. Now, I'll give you the background of this. Lazarus' child was very sick. So he came to Jesus to come and pray for her. So on their way, there was a lot of crowd. And then there was a woman with the issue of blood who taught the hem of Jesus' garment. She got healed. So it was like there was a delay in the trip. So the woman came up and she said, what happened? And the woman told, her, told him all that happened. Now, pay attention. Jesus had her and you go read all the four gospel accounts. This is arguably the only time that Jesus will tell someone, tell us everything that happened. And then she gives us lessons of faith. How, when she heard of Jesus, she said, and as she said, she acted on what she said till she received it. What Brother Hagin will call for, as a writer, oh, take it with God, number one, to say it. Number one, to do it. Number three, to, to, to receive it. And number four, to tell it. Four things. So, as soon as she was done saying it, he says, God, I go. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be healed of your plague. While he was still saying that, you know, as he was telling the woman, Wow, what faith. You said the right things. You've got God's power working on your behalf. As he was still preaching, they just came to Jairus. Hey, gross. What's that? They came to commiserate with him quickly. He said, don't bother the master. Because your daughter is dead. Now, look at 36. Very key. As soon as Jesus heard what was said, he, went, he turned to Jairus immediately and he said, be not afraid, only believe. In other words, he knew what those words would communicate. So you don't allow fearful thoughts to stay on your heart for long. As soon as you heard the news, as soon as you saw the mail, as soon as you heard the, as soon, he said, be not afraid, only believe. If is being afraid will not hinder the power of God, Jesus would not have instructed it. Be not afraid, only believe. Learn not to speak fear. What will be the fear here? She can't be raised from the dead. What will be the fear here? We'll have to bury her. He says, be not afraid, only believe. And he knew, he, Jarius, just listened to the woman. That's why it's very important to listen. He must have listened to the woman. So when he said, be not afraid, only believe, he knew what the woman did. In other words, let your mouth be full of your expectation. Don't say the fear. Don't repeat what was said. Did you also notice, in many instances where it's an individual healing, Jesus heard 
had his beneficiaries or those who received recipients of healing say something. John 9, John 5, Matthew 8. They all said something. Do you want to be whole? They said something. Because their words had to agree. Their words gave permission into their lives. He had to have them say something. Just like salvation. You have to say something. So, he'll say, do you want to be whole? There was a man in Matthew 8, the centurion, who said, Master, I am a soldier and I have many, I have a man under authority, I have soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to one, do this, and he does. Speak your word only, your servant will be healed. Jesus has not found such great faith. No, not in Israel. He heard the man speak. He heard, he heard uh, Jairus speak. He heard the woman of Israel blood. He heard her uh, speak. He heard his own disciples also speak. He heard them speak fearful words. He heard them speak doubtful words. He heard them speak. Don't speak fear. It will come at you. Don't speak doubt. It will come at you. Don't speak your anxieties. It will come at you. Don't Raise the tempo of pain. God's power is stronger than the pain. Speak God's power. Speak God's healing. Say what God says about sickness and disease. Say what he says about your needs. Say what he says. We'll talk about that in the second service. In Mark 6, how important are words? In Mark 6, Jesus goes to his own town to walk miracles. And then in verse 5, he said he couldn't do any mighty work, save that he laid a hand on a few sick folk and healed them. He marveled, Mark 6, 6, at their unbelief. How did he know there was unbelief? Look at verse 2. Many were astonished, saying, from whence are this man this what wisdom is this has given unto him and even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? These are rhetorical questions, words of mockery. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judah, and Simon, are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended. Watch, watch this quickly. We also don't speak dishonor. See this. God will always use men. What did I say? Very good. Do not speak words of dishonor. Jesus couldn't do anything. Not that he didn't want to. He couldn't because their words didn't honor him. We, we just read what they said. So it wasn't even dishonor in the heart. It wasn't what they said. You say the right thing. There are people today that couldn't minister healing to many of us, not in this audience, I mean, I mean to believers, because of the things that they said. I once had the case of someone who I knew, two instances, two. One of them never met the lady, she got into a coma, the cousin that thing called me, I spoke over the phone, she got well. Somebody else, close by, had the same thing. So I was really bothered. And the person didn't get healed. So I got bothered. I asked someone that I know uh, ministers a very strong uh, 
the healing ministry, Pastor Tokumbani Juma says, what going on? I said, I, I, I said, I just couldn't explain it. He now asked the question. He said, the other person, how does the fellow see you? He said, well, our relatives. He said, that's how the fellow will receive from you. The one that got healed saw you as what? Pastor Chris. The fellow also saw so. I said, that alone will make even an unbeliever receive before a Christian. As long as he respects the person and receives from the person. That was quite something for me. Because I could relate with it from the world. They never called Jesus a prophet of God. They didn't call him a Is this not ah, 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 shego, shego? Some people call their pastors nicknames. Apasi. You think God used someone, then you say, Bob K. You are a fool. Write the Greek word, anetos. That's the Greek word. You are a fool. Don't be stupid. That's why some folks will bless others who honor their words more than those close by. So, I've told you this before. This is not my sermon today. If familiarity helps you dishonor, it means you are a baby Christian. Familiarity should never be an issue. Never. Never. You can't choose who God will use. I've said that to you one million times. And you can predict to a large extent that when you are in a local church, God, more often than not, will use people in that local church. So you'll be spiritually intelligent, smart. Don't store leaders' names on your phone. Go check my phone. I can show you my contact phone number or my numbers. There is no pastor, whether young or old, outside our church, whose name doesn't have pastor before it on my phone records. There's none. Even those that don't like me, and we both know they don't like me. <laughs> I know they don't like me. Nobody is loved by everybody, even God. Alright, so don't ever have with that. But don't make sure that you're not making it easy for people not to like you. I don't want you to like me. No. So I put their names rightly. Be sensible. Be sensible. I showed you this, I told you the story of one brother who told me that he had had this congenital disease since he was a child. A minister. It was a meeting he came for in 1995 or six. The anointing and the anointings. It was around July or so. And he had been in strife with me and some other folks for a while. He was in that meeting he got healed. Who would have told him? Say the right thing. 
Sometimes what hinders you on healing are the things you are saying. Say the right thing. Don't call God's servants. My man, my guy. That's over your life. That's being stupid and being unwise. So, dishonor is also in words. Honor is also in words. Even when we state the facts, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I close from here, Paul is stating the facts. Obviously, he is before a whole lot of threats and persecution. Then he says in verse 7, I hope of you is steadfast, knowing that you are partaking of the suffering, so shall also the consolation. The sufferings now, not talking about sickness or disease. Verse 8, 2 Corinthians 1. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our troubles which came to us in Asia. Where prayers out of measure, above strength is so much that we despise of life. That is, we got to a point we thought they were going to kill us. In persecution. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. That is, they are giving instruction that they should be killed. That we should not trust in ourselves. But in God, which raises the dead. Now, let's read verse 10 together. Let's go. Who delivered us from so great a death? And not deliver. In whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Hallelujah. See, he stated the facts. But he put God's word over it. Hallelujah. He put God's word over it. So I put God's word. Over circumstances. And what men say. I don't speak fear. I speak the word of God. I don't speak doubt. I speak the will of God. Don't say things like, ah, I think I'm confused. I'm very confused. You are not confused. Believers are not confused. I walk in the light. As he is in the light. Hallelujah. I don't walk in confusion. Look at Matt, Acts 27. Acts 27. The midst of a storm. What did Paul say? There was much tempest in verse 20. And then Paul. In verse 22. I exhort you to be of good cheer. There shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the sheep. For there stood by me that night the angel of God, whose I am, whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before sin, and lo, God hath given thee all them that say with thee. I love verse 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. It shall be even as it was told. See, I believe God. See, I believe God. I believe God's word. So, sometimes also, you believe prophecies. I'm in ministry, I'll take on prophecies I've heard 25 years ago, 23 years ago, 20, I'll just say it again. All over and over again. I believe God. What was said to me by the inward witness. What was said to me by the audible voice. What was said to me by prophecy. I believe God. Glory to God. I believe God. The doors of the nations are open to me. I believe God. Souls in their thousands are saved through my hands. I believe God. That the healing power flows through me. I believe God. I believe God that my health and my life is preserved for the sake of the gospel. I believe God. 
Sometimes there will be contrary circumstances. Things will go AY in my ministry. I believe God. I believe what God has said. Don't rehash the negative circumstances. Say what God has said. Your words are not useless. You got saved by words. The gospel that was preached to you was by words. You praise God in words. You pray in words. Why would you think your words are useless? Use them well. Amen. Among your friends, your family, your colleagues, use your words well. Praise God. In the place of prayer, use your words well. When circumstances go the wrong way, use your words well. First and foremost, don't forget, your words honor God. And they exalt his word above every circumstance and situation. Like we said last week, your words also give direction to God's power. To receive healing, direction, and deliverances for you in times and situations. You blessed this morning. What we don't say, we don't speak our fears. We don't speak our doubts. We don't speak our pains. We speak the word over them all. When we state them as facts, we speak the word of God as greater facts. 